0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Quipster Film Review Podcast. My name is Vince Leo. I am the film critic for the website Quipster.net. I invite you to check out all of my written reviews there at that website, Quipster.net, Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R.net. Today I'm going to be looking at Batman v. Superman, Dawn of Justice. It's an action-slash-sci-fi film, PG-13 rated because of its intense sequences of violence and action throughout, and some sensuality. The runtime is 2 hours and 31 minutes. The cast includes Ben Affleck, Henry Cavill, Jesse Eisenberg, Amy Adams, Gal Gadot, Holly Hunter, Lawrence Fishburne, Jeremy Irons, and Diane Lane. The director is Zack Snyder, and the screenplay is by Chris Terrio and David S. Goyer. Just as Disney's brand of Marvel films has sought to build an interconnected cinematic universe of characters that will team up on occasion and cross over into each other's films, now Warner Brothers slash DC Entertainment is trying to force feed its fans the same thing with what should have been just the straight sequel to their Superman solo relaunch, Man of Steel. Not only do we get a reboot of Batman into this universe, but the powers that be have decided to make this the prequel to their upcoming super team of heroes, a la the Avengers, called the Justice League. So, we get Wonder Woman introduced into a supporting role, we give cameos to characters like the Flash and Aquaman and Cyborg all in the hope of generating a great deal of buzz among the fanboys of these DC properties who've longed to see representations of their favorite characters from the comic books finally emerge on the silver screen. However, by showing all of their cards and making it clear that they intend to try to merely copycat the success of the Disney-Marvel blueprint, the makers of Batman v Superman have killed off any form of dramatic tension that they could have mustered from the big brawl between two of comicdom's most beloved characters. When you know that Justice League is going to be a thing, you will know that Batman and Superman will not truly die during the course of this film, which, given that the film introduces the doomsday plotline from the Superman comics, in which, for a spell, Superman famously died, you can... Kill off an unkillable character and no one ever, not even for a second, thinks, What? Are they really going to do this? Even worse than this, we all know that Superman and Batman will be allies in the Justice League. So the animosity toward one another in this film, we know, is going to be cleared up by the end, something that the trailer tells you outright. It negates the very reason to be enthused about the proposal of an all-out melee from the film's title. Even in this confrontation, the character motivations are skimpy, we get Bruce Wayne reeling from the destructive collateral damage that he witnessed firsthand in the battle between Soups and General Zod and Man of Steel, basically asserting that Superman needs to be destroyed because he has the power to destroy humanity. If there's even a 1% chance that he could turn into evil, he needs to be killed just to avoid that risk. Basically, we have to presume Batman, aka Bruce Wayne, is a complete idiot out to fulfill his own prophecy by antagonizing Superman, raising all sorts of questions to the public about him, and vilifying him in the media. He's actually trying to stop Superman from destroying humanity by actually making him an enemy of humanity in a plotline that makes no sense whatsoever from the very first moment that we try to deduce his faulty reasoning. Also lessening the already anemic dramatic tension is the knowledge that wealthy psycho-genius Lex Luthor, played by Jesse Eisenberg in the film, will become the main villain of the film, trying to untap the secrets of the universe from within the remnants of Zod's downed Kryptonian Starcraft. He's played here with maximum vexatiousness from Jesse Eisenberg in a tick-riddled, motor mouth performance that packs more ham within it than your neighborhood deli. It's not even a joy to watch Eisenberg try to chew the scenery. He often looks like he's laboring to give fans a wildly charismatic and edgy performance to relish, but he's going against his natural grain as a consummate big-screen introvert. He's too neurotic and chatty to convincingly play, psychotic and sinister, when the film needs him to change those gears. Instead, of a formidable foe with monumental gravitas befitting one of comics' most menacing of villains, Lex Luthor is more a bratty nuisance who seems to stumble into a great deal of luck in dropping into those circumstances that allow him to gain the knowledge and the power to destroy the world, it's almost by happenstance. This is a terrible miscasting of an important role that's also written in so scant a manner that... Lex Luthor barely registers as anything more than a catalyst of contrivances to force in major set pieces that Zack Snyder and company are determined to inject into this plot. As for the other performances, Henry Cavill continues to look every bit like Superman in terms of physical appearance, but his dull-as-dishwater personality makes us not care a lick that he doesn't get much screen time as Clark Kent. Ben Affleck, on the other hand, is competent as Bruce Wayne, Though he still looks goofy in a superhero costume, those people will be reminded of how he looked in Daredevil many years ago. That costume is kind of a curiosity, given that Bruce Wayne is a public figure. He's persistently in the public eye, and yet he makes no effort to cover up the telltale mole on his right cheek while he's wearing the Batman cowl. How the public hasn't caught on to the alter-ego identities of Superman and Batman because of a pair of glasses or a rubber mask is beyond basic comprehension. Diana Prince, as Wonder Woman, doesn't even bother with trying to cover it up, but there's really no backstory to her character and no motivation presented to why she does anything she does in this film. Here's a clear case of a superhero that probably should have gotten a solo project prior to her involvement in this film. We should know why Wonder Woman is in this film and what her motivations are, but again, Warner Brothers thinks that they can generate more money by spinning Wonder Woman off of the Batman-Superman coattails than in the converse, so we're stuck with a shoehorned vessel of striking physical beauty, but limited character range, here just to wet fanboy appetites for what comes down the road. The less-than-superhuman characters aren't even worth mentioning in this film. They're only here to give the villain someone to kill or the hero someone to save. Now, at this point in his career, it should be abundantly clear to everyone that Zack Snyder is not the director that you want at the helm if you're trying to launch a universe of favorite characters and make us care about all of them. Snyder has a fetishistic skill set akin to Michael Bay in that he feels a need to topple buildings and blow things up whenever the opportunity arises. And while he is technically proficient at that task, he does lack Michael Bay's exuberance in doing so. Batman v Superman is a mostly humorless and joyless effort. It's overly serious and it's highly stylized to the point where any trace of humanity has been squeezed out of the proceedings and becomes as mechanical and serviceable as any of the computers that are running to max capacity in order to generate the voluminous special effects shots that permeate much of the overly lengthy runtime of the film. The best thing that Snyder has to offer is that he does know how to deliver some great iconic shots, mostly those are copycatted from the works of, say, Alex Ross and his comic panels, in the same fashion in which Snyder essentially copied the artwork that you could find in 300 and in Watchmen, his previous films. But there's a difference between knowing how to craft an obscenely expensive motion comic and being a true visionary talent, and at this point, there's little evidence in Snyder's work to show that he has anything creative to say, visually or otherwise, other than to know how to translate a panel of drawings into a live-action set piece. Astonishingly, the dialogue often encroaches into wince-inducing territory from screenwriters who definitely know better. Chris Terrio is one of the screenwriters. He won the Academy Award for Best Adapted Screenplay for Ben Affleck's Argo. David S. Goyer, he wrote The Man of Steel, and he's a comics-to-screen go-to guy. He famously wrote the wildly successful Dark Knight trilogy for Christopher Nolan. These guys should know what they're doing. But yet, it's a film full of characters that we barely know or can even relate to, and they're spouting off throughout half-hearted platitudes about the world and humanity that ring hollow in the moment. The storytelling is the worst part of Batman v. Superman. We have flashbacks, we have dreams, we have weird visions that distract much more than they enhance the rest of the film. The ham-fisted way that the Justice League is also introduced into the film is... Laughable. It's literally Batman sending Wonder Woman an email with attached video clips filmed and culled from sources unknown for purposes also unknown, and we get to watch these things just to gin up some excitement for the possibility of future entries down the road. For as much of the blame as many have placed on Zack Snyder for favoring pyrotechnics over people... There's really no reason to think that a great film could have emerged from this muddled script anyway. Obviously, it's been cobbled together in a think tank of studio hacks who sloppily tinkered with whatever the original plan had been to the point of near incomprehensibility. There's plenty of wrong-headed thinking to go around, starting off just with the poor decision right from the bat to fast-track the entirety of the DC universe right from within this Man of Steel sequel. The only time I managed to have my pulse rate even escalate at all while I was watching Batman v Superman, it came from the very first moment that Wonder Woman appeared on the screen. She's in full battle costume. You see this in the trailer, she's ready to save the world. It's a moment that lasts all but two seconds because even though I was generally excited to actually see her and, and feel like this was going to breathe some much needed life into the story, outside of the excitement of that newness and that energy and into this mix that had already grown old and stale about 90 minutes prior, Snyder and company just don't know what to do with Wonder Woman except for make her instantly part of that cacophonic special effects melange that is the entire last god-awful hour of this lumbering film. Although this is crafted to be an eye candy extravaganza, Batman v Superman feels like a movie that's too dark to find enjoyable, and not just in its narrative tone. Instead of colorful and vibrant and exciting, we get shadowy and dismal and washed out. Superman's Metropolis should be a beaming city of light and benevolence with a brave and a noble and optimistic guardian, as contrasted with the dirty and crime-ridden streets of Gotham under the protection of a fearmongering hero in Batman who's willing to wallow in the same muck as the bad guys. But instead, in this film, Metropolis is just a business district with its own conflicted hero who's battling his own inner demons. You know, Superman and Batman should be polar opposites instead of grim and grimmer, If DC Entertainment can't get their two most well-known characters right, what hope is there for the various franchises that spin out from it? And if fans can't get firmly on board, and the films aren't gaining any new fans outside of those viewers who enjoy Marvel and are looking for properties that are like it to pass the time in between their entries... All of these plans to make solo projects and spinoffs will wither on the vine. It's much like how Sony virtually killed off any interest in seeing spinoffs from the Spider-Man series in the proposed Venom and Sinister Six projects, because Amazing Spider-Man 2 basically made us no longer care much to see more of Marvel Comics' most well-known superhero, Spider-Man. After the mixed bag that was Man of Steel, the attempt to play catch-up to Marvel has been botched here in a fashion that will have many viewers wondering if Warner Brothers can figure out a way to correct their current course and produce projects that fans can get truly excited about watching. Perhaps with Zack Snyder vacating the director's chair for someone with a newer and fresher take, and screenwriters who are more interested in perhaps building a proper story beyond Dime Star philosophizing in between pointless battle sequences, we might have a chance at seeing something worthwhile stem from this universe, but the water well of ideas for DC seems like it might be too polluted to save. Given that their cornerstone characters, Batman and Superman, they feel dour and antiquated and superficial, what hope do we have that we can build upon this and come up with something radically new and different and vibrant and exciting. So, for me, as a viewer, I am actually hoping that DC is able to correct this chorus. I hope that their secondary characters will have enough reduced baggage to allow the creators of those films, to be free of the gloomy super seriousness that we get here from Batman v Superman. I'm hoping that they're able to do something funny, something exciting, something daring, something different, much in the way that Marvel was able to do with films that nobody necessarily expected to amount to anything, and therefore they had some creative freedom like Guardians of the Galaxy and Fox's Deadpool. Batman v Superman's a lot of money to throw on the screen in order to give us as viewers little more to be excited about than seeing plastic action figures smashing into each other while striking iconic action poses. We should get something more than that at this point. And certainly Batman and Superman are worth much more than that as well. Two stars out of four is what I'm giving Batman v. Superman Dawn of Justice, and two stars on my scale means that it is lacking something vital that makes it worthwhile from anyone who's not an avowed fanboy of these characters or this series. And what's missing here really is a commitment to characters and storytelling and building things right. Marvel was able to build up their characters and their universe within the course of about four years before we finally saw all of them come to fruition. It was the way to do it. They did it right. It was brilliant at the time. You know, Marvel movies have their flaws too, but they're not copycatting everybody else. They're actually able to do this. They had the but to do it and they did it and they succeeded and... Somehow this DC version just feels like, oh, let's just do that. We have the characters, we have the name recognition of these characters. If we do that, we should be just as successful certainly, you know, box office wise, I think people will be there. But I think that outside of the current fan base, there's just not enough here that's going to be able to sustain it for all of the movies that they have coming up that they plan on. I feel like we're going to get short shrift down the road and it's going to come in a hurry when we just decide that we don't like this Superman. We don't much care for this version of Batman. We can't stand Lex Luthor and we don't like Zack Snyder and what he's bringing to the table. So might as well stick with all of these other Marvel properties and perhaps other new superhero properties that are able to capitalize on doing something new and different instead of just feeling like Pepsi versus Coke here. As a big fan of the Christopher Nolan series, it's sad to see that DC was just not able to capitalize on that. And the only lessons learned from the Christopher Nolan series is that they thought that the fans were out there that liked that series because it was dark and grim and gritty and almost humorless. Instead of giving credit to the director or the screenwriters for actually trying to make something interesting and new, and offering a fresh take that was not being done by other superhero properties. Instead, they're just basically riffing off of that series as well as what Marvel is doing and coming out with stuff that we've seen before, we've seen done better, and we are really fatigued by. Sorry, DC fans. I wish I could be a little bit more encouraging. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that you enjoyed the review, even though I didn't have a lot of great, positive things to say about the film. And if you did happen to like the review, and if you haven't done so already, I do encourage you to click the subscribe button. I offer new film reviews, mostly on a daily basis. And if you click the subscribe button, you'll get all of my reviews of the major theatrical releases, as well as foreign films and things that are coming straight to VOD downloaded into your podcast player. Also, if you happen to be on iTunes and you've been listening for a while, I do encourage you to let other people know what you think of the show, because word of mouth is really the best way that you can show your support for this show. The Quipster Film Review Podcast is the name. Until next time, thank you everyone for listening, and I hope that you enjoy your time anytime you go to the movies, and that the Quipster Film Review Podcast is a part of the reason why you do